Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. Hello, everybody. I'm Dave. I'm Jeff. I'm Rich Spilkey. And Dave with us, Ramirez. Dave Ramirez is with us today. Brand new who to the, the hell is Dave Ramirez? Yeah, I don't know, but he snuck in. We left the door open. Look who came in. Just walking by. So I, dragged, we pl- I dragged him along. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, it's fine. Fine, interrupt me. I don't matter. But this is the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Dave Ramirez, for $1,000, what is the greatest game in the world? ASL. That's right. I, I'll, I'll have to write you a check. <laughs> that is not going to be cash. So welcome. Oh, you can Quite. share the, the uh, royalties, no? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of those. Yes. And today is, is February it? 22. This I, is episode ish. number... We don't know. 135, I think. It doesn't matter. Does it really matter? It whatever it said on the post. Yeah. It's 136. So, and uh, here we go. Here we go. What are, what are we going to do? What's up first, what? Jeffrey? Oh, let's do what we've been playing lately. What have you been playing lately? What have you been playing lately? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get right into it. We're not going to do mail tonight so, because... So, Rich and Dave, what have you been playing lately? Tell what us what scenario was today? Lately. Something today? Just got through with... Uh, out of their element. Out of their element. <clears throat> I as the German and Rich as the uh, Russian. Yes, I think it's a friendly fire or is it an SP? I forget. Friendly fire. Friendly, friendly fire. Friendly fire. And uh, thought he had me beat about the middle of the scenario. I thought I was way behind and... Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier. I really had him dead to rights. Dave always does two things. He deploys, 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 deploys. So that's predictable. And he always runs his tanks through the woods hex that you don't expect him to. Because he doesn't believe in taking the roads. He always goes through the woods. And I knew he would. <laughs> I was sharing this with you earlier. And I had I had uh, heat available with this particular anti-tank gun, Russian gun. It has a to kill of 9 with AP, but it has a to kill of something higher than that with the heat. And the reason I don't know the numbers is because, of course, I rolled too high with the heat to uh, even bother checking the to kill. His armor was only 2. He went exactly into the hex I knew he would go into. Woods hex. Woods hex, of course. Especially since they had low ground pressure, that's like... Almost like guaranteed that he's going to go through the hex. You know, Doesn't everybody? <laughs> no. he, tre- he treats woods like roads. <laughs> just blast right through them. And, of course, I did eventually get it, but it took me like three phases to to get this thing. No guts, no glory. Was your gun in the woods and adjacent to his It was in woods? the woods, uh, maybe two or three hexes away, but there was some open ground in between. Anyway, but it came down to the end. It was very exciting. He had to capture uh, a certain amount of hexes. Nope, and uh, no, 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 and no, prevent no, me no. from having so many multi-man counters within so many hexes of a certain place. And it was going back and forth. And at the very, very end, it was a, was a six and a half turn game. Right. So it was a seventh turn. I did have the minimum three multi-man counters that I needed as the Russian, you know, in the zone that I needed. And he came cruising through this rubble hex with his guys. Of course, I shot at him. Of course, he rolled a two. Of course, it went berserk. Of course, I cowered on my shot, so I oh. fired. So now it's berserk. <laughs> now it's berserk. So it has to keep going, and it has to charge into my hex. But I cowered, so I final fired. Therefore, I must triple right. point blank fire. Which is a morale check. And, it's, and of course, I got an eight in my morale seven. <laughs> so there went one guy. Well, that was it. That's oh, that's, that's it. all you need to have three. If I wouldn't have cowered, or if he wouldn't have gone berserk. That's why we love the game. We weren't sure. 
we would have still had to go to CC. You would have to shoot. But yeah, that's what you say. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at Rich. I'm not sure he loves the game tonight. <laughs> anyway, I don't was think fun. so. He seems very agitated. It was exciting. It was fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. But Dave Ramirez, do you think this is a good idea to be predictable? Apparently, you are predictable in in the way you. In, yeah, in, in his unpredictability your, that he's going to go through the woods no, with the play, a tank and yeah. deploy all over yeah. the place. Things yeah. I don't do. Is that a good idea? Yeah, it's fun. And do you want people to know? Should I, we? Should people know this about Dave Ramirez I, I mean, that I'll he's going to go again, through the woods? That he, now that Rich realizes, you know, the things that I do, I may I may try <laughs> something else again. But I want anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. That's hard. To, it's hard to argue with that. He wasn't creative, but he won. So. <laughs> Generally, That's, if you go against Dave and you don't know him, you're you know, and, mo- and any player you go against, you usually don't expect them to run their tanks through the woods. But with Dave, it's like well, it's just one woods hex, right? Just one. He's just cutting through. It's not like he's plowing through. No, no, yeah. he's not doing. He's that. He's just taking those shortcuts. Yeah. Well, the nature of the game is you had to be aggressive as the German if you're going to win this one. I think. And, yeah. Uh, That's how I played, and uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, yeah, and it's fun. Yeah. Either way you do it. And when you think it's about fun. it, if you have high, or pardon me, low ground pressure, which you did, you're only adding plus three for the woods. Yeah. So if you get an eight or less, your bog roll is 11. You know, eight plus three is 11, less than 12, and you're not bogged. And even if you bog, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you can still unbog and yeah. fire from the spot. So but if, if it's you have a nice normal spot. ground pressure, then you got to add one for the normal ground pressure and three for the woods. Now you're adding four. So now eight or higher, you do bog. So, you know, we could get into the math of the difference there, but... Well, but the other thing is, I figured I'm losing the tanks. I knew they were going to go. It just just a matter of when, and uh, I had to find the gun. Like, I, literally, you have to find the gun and find where it's at. Either get around it or kill the crew, because you're heading past the gun. You had it so far forward, I couldn't believe it. And you have to get past that gun to get to the victory uh, location. So once you're past it, the gun's useless to you, and fine. You know, I'm, I'm through. I know I've got to move, so... Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was, it was well worth uh, the give. I, it's fine. So Dave and I have also been playing other people in uh, preparing for the ASL Open, a number of scenarios. So I've been playing you know, several people, including you, Jeff, on some of the Open scenarios. Yep. And then, of course, we were continuing with our Tarawa campaign. Yes, right. We've been playing that almost every Saturday since October. We were talking about that the other yep. day that we've played not every Saturday since October, no. but 90% of them. Yeah. We've only missed, I think, two. And where to turn... Top of turn eight. Yeah, we're on the, eight. the very yes. last half turn of the first of scenario. The first scenario. Yeah, and it's taken us since October. That's the first day, or November? Pardon yes, me, November. Yeah, we started in November. So it's because the there's forty three half of the first day. Because there's forty three turns. Correct. Yeah, now forty two turns, I believe. Um, uh, but there's also the Japanese have a um, have an option of doing a night scenario as well in there so it could go out to 48 turns i think if that or, if or, they did that or 47 then, if they do that but yeah we're not going to get that far because you guys were, we're tra- sure. trouncing them pretty well i wouldn't say we're trouncing i them. wouldn't say that yeah because i don't want to be mean <laughs> <laughs> on the air no we're doing okay but not trouncing yeah they're doing well they just we're doing some things that they didn't expect so you'll be playing this for another year then? or No, actually, we think we'll only go a couple of more sessions. We'd like to finish this scenario, and then between scenarios, you know, there's the refit phase in campaign games, which mm-hmm. which Rich has never done, and I've never yeah, done either. I've never done. I guess I could say we've never done one. 
So we'd like to at least do that, experience that, see what the refit is all about, and maybe play one turn or so maybe in the next scenario. Yeah, I'm hoping you know? we can at least go through the refit yeah. phase, like Jeff said, and then play one <clears throat> or two so we turns. Just can see that. Just to get the experience of transitioning yeah. from one scenario to another as part of a campaign, because that's really you know what the campaign games are all about. And I've never played one before, so this is my first time, even though I've been playing Squad Leader since I was 15 years old many moons ago. I've never played a campaign game. This is my first one. And we talked about on one of your previous shows how we, how we tried so hard to get started. And yeah. then we had that successful bombardment, and our, the guys threw in the towel yeah. before we even entered a single Marine onto the map. And we had done all this preparation and all this analysis and all this rules research. And we never entered a single Marine unit onto the map. Yeah. They, they threw in the towel right away. So we were we were glad to find new opponents that wanted to start from square one. Yeah. Yeah, really just... It, Getting together the campaign game has been its own campaign, it seems like. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to wrap up here pretty soon, I think. But it's been fun. It's been fun. I'd say the guys the, the guys who were playing are having fun. Yeah, we're all having, having fun. fun. So and that's the key. Now, what did you learn? The, 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 the scenario you played today, you're getting ready for the ESL Open with that scenario? Mm-hmm. So did you learn anything from playing it? Yeah, we had a couple things happen that were interesting. Uh, one thing that I don't think I've ever had happen before was, okay, I did finally kill that tank that we were talking about. And he rolled for crew survival, and he rolled a two, which obviously is low enough for the crew to survive. Yeah. And I said to myself, or I asked Dave, I go, now wait just a second, because on my to kill roll, I had a nine to kill with a 76 star AP gun, and he had one armor, I hit it on the turret. One. Right, one armor. Right, so we we would get a burning wreck on a four, no, a three or less, or something like that. Anyway, I rolled one higher than you would need for the burning wreck. However, and so, and so the crew survival would, you know, yeah. would, would happen. However, it, it had a red crew survival number. Right, which means it's lowered by one or yeah, something? Yes, so for burning wreck purposes, we looked this up, obviously. Yeah. I didn't have it memorized, but I knew something about, it, about like... that. And we looked it up, and sure enough, you get a special minus one on the to kill... Just for burning wreck purposes. Because they had a, a, a tendency to brew up yes. more often, that kind of So tank. sure enough, that made a difference, and that's never happened to me before. I don't mm. know about you, Dave. No, that's the first one I've had uh, that I can think of. Yeah. Plus, it's always nice to take a two away from your opponent and make it not count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite the fact that he'll probably remind us that I did lose. That's right. And so it was won. even better. Yeah. <laughs> You did lose. I lost. I did. Yeah, you did lose. Sure I won't remind you of that. Okay, thank you. Didn't, you didn't take that two away from me. Yeah. But what else did we have happen that was funky? We had uh, some other things, I thought. Did you think your setup was good enough to use a similar setup if you were to play this again at the ASL Open, or would you not That's put your question. gun so far forward? Well, against Dave, I would. Unless I know you were what playing he's uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dave, Dave's a... a I, I, I thought, uh, yeah... I, as I was telling Mitch, I thought uh, the Russians should set up mostly on the left-hand side of the of their uh, board, because if the German comes in on the the Russian right, it's going to take him too long to get where he needs to go mm. to win the game. So, my estimation, that's what I would do. I tend to put everybody on the, the left-hand side, the Russian left, and let if the German wants to come in on the right, let let him come in because he's he's never going to get there in time. Yeah, there's a lot of time. So you're pretty kind of stuck with what I did, really. Uh, we also we also learned another rule that I didn't know. There's something called a footbridge. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. the old skinny. It. And I've never uh, really zeroed in on what that means. So it's sort of weird. I've never really zeroed in on this before. Maybe you guys have, but 
what it turns out is most bridges, normal bridges, you know, you have to be like on the road and then you go onto the bridge from the road, you know, and then back onto the road once you get to the other side of the bridge. It's very strict. About yeah, because you've got to exit that hex. Yeah. Foot bridges, you can go on from any hex that connects it. You don't have to be on the road. You can be, you know, from one of the other hexes that are adjacent to it. And that makes a big difference in this scenario because you don't want to go, you know, along the road. It's not helpful. So that was sort of a learning experience that hmm. I didn't, uh, hadn't really researched before. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, that's sort of unique. So that was sort of an interesting thing. And other than that, I don't think anything too crazy happened. No. Yeah. Other than at the end where uh, this is not like crazy, but it's just sort of fun, which makes Squad Leader fun. He crews some guys in to this rubble hex adjacent to me, and I fired point blank. This is the very end, the very last turn. And I had to have three good order squads that were good order, you know, and I had three. And he comes cruising into the rubble. Of course, I fired at him. I think it was, uh, I don't remember what it was, a 16 plus 2 or something. I think I got a 1 or 2 morale check. And he rolled a 2 with his squad. And then he went berserk. He rolled, I think, an 11 or something. Yeah. So, the, and I cowered on my shot. So I had right. final fired. So then when his, so his berserker had extra movement factors now. And, of course, he has to charge into my hex, which means I have to fire at him. <laughs> and now it's a morale check against me. And sure enough, I rolled an 8, and my morale is 7. Yeah. And that's all she wrote. Well, I have finished well, yeah, the first bid. Really? Which was our, like, mega non-campaign, but mega game with yeah. four guys, that's Mike Stubitz. That's an achievement. And uh, Mark Woods and um, Tom Barkalo. And the Germans won. We won. Really, in this one, it, it's... Uh, you got these Stukas, and, and on the next show we might do the air support or the one after that, depending on how tonight goes. And the, in this first bid, the, there's 22 of these conscript Russians. You know, they're easy to pick off. If you're getting a huge rate of fire with a big fire stack with a 10-neg-2 or leader, and, you know, they break, they're fives, they break again, they're fours. It's just like, it's just a meat grinder. And then if they route, they're easy to go catch and circle up. And so their their casualty stack pile kept growing and growing and growing. And we kind of knew early on, that, and I think I talked about that on a previous show, so that it was looking. But we, I kept I wanted Mark to keep playing, so I really kind of put the pressure on him to keep going, him and Mike. And um, and they did because they got some reinforcements near the end. So we went up way up to the north end of the board. Well, no, I think we were going east, whatever direction, toward the river and the piers. There's all the piers, and the Russians are going to come in on these boats. So I'm thinking, you know, they just got to hold three of these places because we already captured these two zones down in the lower front, right, the Central State Railroad Station and the crossing and stuff. And so they had to hold, I think, three then to win and – um Another set of Russians comes in, and it made a screening force in front of me on my side, and Tom was just rolling up the left flank. He's already at the piers. He's just rolling up. And Tom keeps saying, well, you guys could still win this. You know, if you... And I'm thinking, you could. You know, you got these reinforcements coming across in front of me on the road. Then the guys in the boats are going to start piling into those um, uh, piers, and you might hold them, you know. But these stukas were just could be real devastating and we, and we caught them the reinforcement groups caught them on a road in a big stack with an egg leader and oh. 200 bomb from the stuka yeah wiped out the whole stack we, <laughs> like, we killed like two sticks and mark was like well yeah that's not good and we're like well and i said to tom Mark, i said tom you're not i'm like no 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 let's not do that go let's go bomb a pier mark tom figured out we could, if you could bomb the piers then that the russians can't get on those they no longer count 
So you could bomb, and we thought maybe if anyone plays this, maybe you want to try bombing all the piers and see if after 19 turns you can destroy most of them, then you only got to fight over a few of them. So if you get a KIA on the pier, it it's becomes a, rubble or something? It was low. Tom researched it real well and had the numbers down, where it was like a, he had to roll a four or a five or less or something to get the, the, the rubble. Yeah. And he only we thought of that because in the diagram it shows the piers with a like broken bridge counter on them or something. Mm-hmm. Or So I'm like, hey, wait a minute. If that happens, then they're not usable. They don't. They can't. We don't have to fight for them. Um, so I said to Tom, "Don't. No, you don't want to drop that bomb on those men. You want to have you no mercy." And he, he's like, "No, not right now. I don't. Yeah. I really want to wipe out that whole stack." And I was like, "Okay, it's your Stuka." And of course, it hit. It was devastating. And um, now, do victory points or casualties matter? You mentioned that in the no. beginning of your remarks. Right. No, no. It's the guests got to get these win by controlling and are interdicting all existing ferry landings, and then it can be reduced for control of the rail station and the rail crossing reduced by one for each. So that's why they would have to hold three, right, instead of the, all of them. Uh, Germans, man, you got to take it to them. you got to move fast if you're playing this one, I, I think, because we were on like 13, 14, and I still hadn't gotten. And if they do a better job of slowing you down, you're going to have some trouble. Um I think the defense was too thinly spread out. Uh, there's great OBA. Everything's in this. It's just it's a great, you know, it really was a lot of, well, it was fun because we were really steamrolling them. But um, <laughs> fun, I guess it always makes it a little more fun, except you're feeling guilty. And then uh, what else did I want to say about this one? So, so, yeah, then we went ahead. We called it early because I'm like, we could play another game. We could just pair up and I'll get a game and. And then maybe these other guys can have a chance to win something after sitting there for week after week, not winning, getting the feeling. And then um, Tom was like, well, I don't know. They could still win. And we said, no, we're done. Mark And Mark's like, yeah, I'm done. I said, Mark, mercy on him. Let him, let him go. Yeah. Mike wasn't there that night. So we stopped. And as Tom was stacking up all his Germans he had left that were spread all over the board, you know, he looks at him, <laughs> looks at them all and he goes, holy cow, I have a lot of stuff left. I'm like, yeah, look, across there's like four Russian squads, and you got like, you know, a massive, it was, yeah. So well, anyway, so let me ask you two done. questions. Let me ask you a couple questions. Yes. So did you find, Dave, that, uh, and this is one thing, I, I love this, looking at the scenario, I've never played it, it looks enormous, and it looks looks like it would be fun, and you use the whole Valor of the Guards board. Oh, board. Like, here's my That's question not. for you on, a, on the practical side. One thing I like about Red Barricades and that larger size hex uh, hexagon is that you can, you know, it's easier to put big stacks when you can have two or three different stacks. And the Valor of the Guards board is not bigger than average. I think it's just regular. No, size. it's it's bigger than average. Is it bigger than average? Yes, it is. It's, the red it's not as big style. as Red Barricade yeah. size. I think yeah, it is, or it is. maybe yeah. a tad smaller. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay, it is. So, you, so you didn't we could find put it. Two be... squads, no, plenty of room. Plenty of room. Uh, Plus, we end up running all over the place. And then you do get, you do come upon those strongholds in KVD. But they had them spread out, so they could easily be surrounded and eliminated. So they weren't a real threat. I'm thinking maybe the Russia wants to put a string of those together yeah. or something and make a wall. But then you could go around the wall too, because the board is so big, really. Okay, so um, question so no, one was, was not what, too tight. Was no. it cumbersome on the counter density? And you're saying no. No. Okay, that's yeah. good to hear. And then secondly, you know, having played it now and having this experience. Do you think it's pro-German, or do you think they just maybe didn't do the best setup? We looked it up, and it was close to even, hmm. I believe. Yep, like 37 to 34 or okay. something like well, that. Then, yeah, we we played close. it. I played it with a friend of mine, and uh, 
It came pretty close. We came down to the last turn, I think. Did the Germans win? The German won, but I I got very lucky with the Stukas. I was killing his T-34s with uh, machine guns. That's how good my diamonds From the Stukas? Oh, yeah. those. And even he couldn't believe it. Even he was just amazed that (laughs) I couldn't, you know. But I I chewed up a lot of his tanks uh, just with the Stukas, so that... Certainly yeah, help. that's a target you want to hit with the Stukas, yeah, the tanks. Sure. Yes. And of that's, course, they can miss, too. So sure. that could be a hit-or-miss thing. But I, I didn't miss very often. I pro- I'll, I'll bet it was at least 80 90%. I mean, I couldn't believe how accurate I was getting with these things. Yeah, that's real high. I yeah, thought ours were more 50-50, but Mark felt they were higher than that, and I should. I know one turn went by, we had zero hits on three. Sure. I also kept rolling. You roll for your Stukas, so you can roll uh, for – you get one, two, or three – I never got one. I always rolled two or three, usually three of them coming in. Now that starts yeah. to add up too. <laughs> yeah. You know, over that time. They they stop coming in at a certain turn when dusk comes in. Right. And so the Russian, if you could just hold out maybe. And you found it to be close. Well, then. that's what Howard, the guy I played, said. He said, next time I play, if I ever play this again, he says, I'll, I'm going to wait till dusk before I bring my tanks in so you don't have those damn Stukas up there. Yeah, and Mike brought them all in. And there. Mike had suggested running them into like the the debris and going for concealment, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and waiting, yeah, yeah. back further. Right. So you're hiding out and waiting, or setting them up to in a situation. Mark had them on a road set up so they could move quickly to attack yeah. the German wherever they were needed. But yeah, it's, nice target. You can yes. set you can set them up in a building, right? I think you can, you can set sure. up tanks and sure. yeah, yeah, that'll make them real building. hard to hit. Or in bypass between two buildings, right? Across the street. So the plane coming in doesn't have that nice line of sight for yeah. the task check. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I have another question now. Mm-hmm. You were saying, uh, Dave, that he was killing your, or you were killing his tanks with the Stuka, not the bomb, but with the. Uh, both. With the, I was really usually. Doing with both. Okay, yeah. but I'm just trying to think of the numbers. So the it's Stuka small. to kill, it's a, it's a four, four, it's a machine gun, so it's a four, or that's a five, I guess, for a yeah, Stuka machine gun. T34. And you get the point blank, so you go up to seven. And then you use the use the aerial Rear armor factor. Aerial the weakest, right? Armor. Yeah. So that's about a three, I think. I think you can small. count the rear. But then you get rear, and you get uh, height advantage. advantage. Right. So let me think again. So you have five, and it goes up to seven for point blank, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think you get point. Blank. I don't think, I think you get point blank. And, uh, yeah, you don't. You don't get point blank. Okay, so it's just it's, so it's seven effectively yeah. against a three armor, I guess. Something like that. I I don't remember what it was. It was like fives and fours that I needed. I was rolling them, you know. Yeah, it's still pretty low. Oh yeah, it overall. was. It was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Uh, and do the Russians not have anything? They have to some, defend. They have light any AA, but as, they do. As we t- t- we'll, we'll talk about if we get to the air thing, that light AA can't fire at them until after their point attack. I guess they're diving in so straight down and fast. Oh, I see. They don't give them a shot. They're not going along the sky in a straight line. Um, and then in this game too, then you roll for them every turn. So even if they shoot them down after they fired, it doesn't matter. Because like, more, and like you, oh, really? I was getting a lot of. Yeah. I was getting a lot of Stukas, and he, he was just shaking his head. He goes, it's good to be you, Dave. It's good to be. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm, good I'm to see, be. I'm yeah. It's just good to be a Dave today. <laughs> if your name's Dave and you play the first bid, you're probably going to do pretty well. Well, since we finished that one early, I said, "Hey, everybody, let's let's go and do another one." So we picked out under Murderous Fire, Valor the Guards G16. I played Mark in that one. Um, this one is t- taking place in the northern section over there. It was by oh yeah, I remember now. This was over like by um, one of the real famous things, uh, not Himmler's house. That's Germany. Um, well, one of the big famous houses 
with one of the big leaders, like, was it Pavlov or... I don't know. Yeah, it may have been. But there was an open court area, and they had to, the Russians had to get across this open area to get into this house and take it at the end. And all the houses were with points along the edges. So uh, minefields were placed by the Germans. And uh, one thing is it looks difficult to cross that ground, but you just, you know, assault move into some debris and then advance into some debris, spread out as the Russian, keep pushing right across there, and it's not as dangerous as it looks. Although I did lose this one. Uh, in the end, then. So, but I liked Under Murder's Fire too from that scenario pack. And my last one. You didn't let Mark win, did you? Or did you? No, I did not. Okay. Good. Well, good for Mark. Uh, I played this one um, with Eric Ortega at one of the Paso oh, meetings. Really? You know, Eric, he's running the new club down there and doing great yeah, stuff. Southwest Outpost. Best Think Again, AP93. Is this on the list for the open? Uh, yes. I think it is. Yeah. Okay, that's why he brought it, I'm sure. Now, this one, you got 14 Russians and some three tanks going against some Germans of all kinds of qualities, elites, first line, seconds. And you look at the board and you're like, oh, the Russians are going to get chewed up going across all this open ground. And so he went a little heavy on the right, so I just bulked up heavy on the left and started going across. He was using some small fire lanes. You just run through them, right? You don't fear those, do you, Dave? <laughs> the light machine gun fire lanes. You just, yeah, I fear. Oh, I'm sorry, with the Germans. Unless yeah. I, we, I, man, I'm just going through them, right through them, roll it up. And, um, yeah, I ended up pushing that one through pretty well. The German would need to keep some forces to shift around in the back i think uh to do that he's also going to get some tanks on at the end and i i forget how balanced those were well those were the panzers threes and four against the kvs so yeah the russians have that bigger armor factor in the front um so how did it turn out it turned out with a russian victory so yeah i would say as the russian you're just gonna have to pick a spot and, and, and nail it really hard with everything on one of the two flanks, I would think, on that one. Have you played that yet? I have not played that one, but I wanted to give a little credit, or quite a bit of credit, actually, to Eric, uh, because he really has just brought a whole spark of energy and enthusiasm and passion to the uh, Southwest Outpost that he's got going uh, almost every Sunday, and a big group of guys um, are now kind of rallying around him and playing weekly that normally weren't playing, a lot of, a lot of newer players. So, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to you guys for your podcast and your efforts to bring new people and or keep people uh, in the hobby or people who maybe stop for a while coming back. You've gotten a lot of people who have commented to you on that, I know. Well, Eric's doing a great job in his area, and I want to give him a lot of credit for that because I get all his emails. I can't always go to his his events, but he's Yeah, it's a little far, a little far for us as well. Yes, but he's doing a great job, and he yeah. deserves our, he deserves uh, us, you know, giving him a shout out there. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Done. And he deserves free gifts from MMP. Um, probably something. And so do we. Or maybe a counter named after him, perhaps. So, uh, no, I, I don't think so. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, I don't want to play. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. So has anyone played anything else you want to talk about? I played I played at your uh, Palatine ASL group on Wednesday. That's correct. And I played Mr. Mike Stubitz, who I haven't played in quite a long time. And he brought a scenario that he wanted to play in practice for the ASL Open as well. This is called Massacre in Paradise from TAC. It's TAC 43. What's TAC? Is that Tactiques magazine? So yeah. we published yes, the Tactiques. French. Okay. That's from, is that, that's an overseas magazine. Yep, French. Of some kind, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, that's way old. back. How old is that? That's like goes, the 90s. Yeah, it goes way back. 
like route report era. Mm-hmm. It does. Okay. Well, it's kind of interesting that they're that they're bringing up some of these old scenarios for for this. Is that as old as Thriller in Manila. Manila. It might be. Older. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So a uh, pretty simple scenario. It's the British against the Germans. Uh, uh, five and a half turns. Cer- certainly something that could be easily played, uh, even in a short session for a tournament and there's just nine British that are that have to hold this takes place on board 10 they have to hold some stone building locations on the south end of the board the Germans are coming in on the north end and and they need to control by the end of uh, turn five and a half they need to control 21 or more stone locations so um, and a lot of these are row houses but still the it's it looked, I, I felt like I had a very good chance in the setup because there was a lot of open ground that the Germans have to cover in, or, in, order, to, in order to make just their initial advance. There was some open ground before they could find any trees or anything. However, the Germans get the advantage of an 81-millimeter mortar. With the high smoke number. With a, with a smoke number of 9 and a rate of fire of 3. So it could lay multiple smokes, right? I keep forgetting that's legal, yeah, right? And it can lay smoke, rate, yeah. smoke, yes. rate, smoke, rate. I remember that happening. Nine, are, they, are they SS? Are they elite? Uh, no, it's by... It, they're elite, yeah. Okay, so they're but elite. By, by SSR, but by SSR, it's, it's, okay, SSR. it's nine. Oh, by... Oh, right. Yeah. So he opened up with that and laid smoke in three very good locations. Yep. And I, I just had a few squads forward. I, I knew that I needed... I didn't want to put so much forward that he could sweep around behind me quickly because I knew he could travel quickly if I ran out of things that I could shoot uh, with. So I just had a couple of squads out in front just to kind of make him nervous and tie him up, but he smoked those locations, so he just sort of waltzed. It wasn't exactly a waltz. He was skipping. It was skipping, yeah, yeah. merrily. <laughs> but I think he rolled, I think in that opening he in rolled that opening salvo, he rolled probably seven, eight oh, rate of fire. More. Nine? Uh, yeah. A dozen? It was crazy. Did you say I a dozen a, or a thousand? I thought it was... It seemed like a thousand. <laughs> it did seem like a thousand. Wait, time out. He got three... So he shot his mortar first thing in the prep fire phase. Yeah. Laid smoke. He got three smokes, all yeah. with rate of fire. And he didn't want yes. any more smoke. Yeah, he was tired of waiting. He was, he was bored. He was, he, was, he was tired of smoke. Okay. <laughs> got, got a bunch more... So then yeah. he started shooting at HE. Yeah. yeah. Hit, hit, hit and, people. And, uh, yeah, broke a squad. And halved him again, or I don't know. Yeah, I but. We did record it. It's going to be uh, the next ASL Extra. It's going to be half the game. And what I did was decided we had so much fun with Eric. You'll hear his his energy. And this new guy, um, Mr. Sharp, was there. And we were all watching them play and commenting and laughing and cracking jokes. And so what I got is I'll put the (laughs) – If Jeff lets me post it. Uh, So we have all the photos of it. We'll pick it up in the middle of the game. When it's quieter, because I tried to record with the other guys playing right next to us. It was a real dumb idea. Yeah. So I just no. deleted all that out. It starts, like, in the middle with him moving, and then we'll uh, – you can hear it. You can still learn some strategy from it. You can still – and you can hear some guys having a lot of fun playing ASL. Yeah. It really was fun. It was fun. I lost, but it was Well, fun. let me ask you a question, Jeff, or for, for all of you to answer, but Jeff in particular, since it's acutely in your mind. When you have a scenario like that, where you've got a mortar with rate of fire three, and the, it's obvious that you need to throw smoke on the first or, or shoot smoke on turn one, and that's expected. Yeah. And, you know, one of three things can happen. You can get maybe one or two smoke rounds. Maybe that's average. Maybe that's the expectation. 
or you could get three or more, like apparently Mike did, which is great, great fortune. Yes. Or you could roll and get one or none. Correct. Which would be poor for the Germans in this case. Or break the mortar, like is, which is usually what happens to me. Sure. So <laughs> would you say, because it seems like, based on what you're saying, and I played scenarios like this too that are similar to that one with regard to that, that you're kind of making or breaking the scenario on turn one prep fire phase. It's true. In this case, it was very pro-German. Yeah. It could have been the other way around. He could have gotten no smoke or yeah. just one, and, and then you would have been sitting pretty. Yes, and I would have chewed them up as they were crossing that bit of open ground. So, so my question is, rather than having the game be almost decided on turn one, which it seems to be the case in this particular scenario, would you rather that the, the scenario, the special rule, kind of preordain that, I don't know, for sure you get one smoke but you can't get more than two. Would you rather have it say something like that, or would you rather just let it... Well, given that, given that I was on the receiving end of all that smoke, I would, <laughs> I would have to say yes. I would, I would tend I to would say wish, I w- yes, and especially with OBA. Because what's, what's the point? You get this OBA, yeah. you look at all the rules, you learn it so well, then you draw two reds. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, right. it also, you right. get yeah, a minimum right. of one... Black card. Some scenarios do say they that. do. Some yeah, scenarios All do say the first black char- uh, draw is black, or the first draw is black. It says that. I think they, and when it was a squad leader, used to do that more often, where you got a certain number of OBA oh, rounds or something. or something. Right. Okay. And so you always had something there. You always had something. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say in this one, Jeff, you did need more guys up front. You could have put more up front. No, actually, I had about the limit that I could put that far okay. forward. Because I, I, I was thinking I, about there that were, later. There were strict limitations on the way that the one, one per hex and or building or something. Yeah, it couldn't and, be more than one squad per hex, and they had to, they had to be within three hexes of that spot, uh, certain yeah. spot, and yeah. So I, I was about as much as I yeah, could. Then that makes it hard. Well, I wouldn't mind but, throwing it out there to your audience if you don't mind my asking and letting them post yeah. on your uh, on your comment board. I'd like to know what people feel about that. You know, would it be a better idea in scenarios like this? to have an SSR that kind of controlled the opening smoke salvo or the opening OBA or whatever the case may be, or is that too controlling and too predetermined? Would you rather just leave it be random but with the possibility that you're going to kind of make or break the scenario for one side or the other on turn one prep fire? Which would you rather have, and are there opinions about that? I'll one-up you on that, Rich, and I'll say, Jeff, do you approve? We make that the next contest. Um, no. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's a good. I, I I would like to know too, but I think it it through natural selection. Actually, I was surprised that this scenario was in the mix for the ASL Open, having played it like this, because because it is so easy for the thing to go one way or the other in the first turn, and and then the other guy's at such a disadvantage. I'm kind of surprised it's in the open. I think through natural selection, this is a scenario. It's an okay scenario, but it would just be one of those scenarios that doesn't get played that often because of that, or people play it once and and then and then they're done with it. So, uh, but I don't know. I, I guess it might be a nice option to have that, the do-over. What do you, I don't know. What, we, we talked about it a little bit the other day. They call it a do-over rule. It's not really that, but it's sort of a limitation. A limit uh, on the number of that. Limit on the number of smoke. So that you don't uh, you know, unbalance the, the game. That doesn't, game. that doesn't tip. That doesn't prompt somebody with some strategy that they wouldn't have otherwise have thought of, does it? Maybe somebody never thought of putting smoke, doing smoke with the mortar in the first. You know, I, I don't know. 
don't know. But yeah, I'd like to know what other well, people we, think. We just played a scenario the other day where it said that it had a special rule that said if the German rolls a 12 on one of his anti-tank guns, he can disregard the first one. I forget which scenario that yeah. is. But obviously it was oh, very okay. key that if yeah. if he happens to roll a 12, you know, game yeah. over because now you're just going to run all over that guy because he had to exit so many points off the board. And if the anti-tank gun is is disabled, it's not a game. So it said that if you happen to roll a 12 yeah, that's... and it's not an intensifier shot, it's not a 12. Yeah, I'm all for those kind of things. So there are some scenarios that have those little elements in there to try to stop those situations from happening. And I wouldn't mind getting the opinion of your your, yeah. your, uh, your listeners. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you could go too far with that, too. I mean, there is some luck involved. People are going to get lucky or unlucky. That's up, true, too. Make up a rule on your own. Next time you play, yeah, that's true the too. between you is that, you know, we know what can happen, so let's yeah. limit the number of smokes, let's say, that you can get to two or something like that. Yeah. I'd just like to know who the bozo was that suggested this scenario for the ASL Open. Dave, do you know? How, do you happen to know who the bozo was? Uh, I was. I was. The oh, one you were that, the bozo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be good, and I also didn't know you could just make up rules because every time I do that, my opponents tell me I'm cheating. No, you can make up rules. No, yeah. you okay. can make up any rules you want. I keep trying. They don't let me. I'm like, this guy can move 12 hexes this turn. Well, what they've Why? Got I the, make up uh, the rules. Was it the Australian bidding system? Where yeah. You, yes, you, that's a good can, system. You can make up what a, what a balance might be. Yeah, yeah so. and have good yeah, choices. No, they have choices of three. And that's how you balance these games. I, I play Rich Donvick all the time, and that's what he likes. I mean, that's how you balance all the scenario if you think it's unbalanced. Yeah. You can make them all. Yeah. You know, another interesting idea that I've been discussing with some folks recently that I think would really be fun to try. I've never seen this actually used, but it's fun to think about, playing along the same lines that we've been talking about. What if, I like the Australian balancing system, but what if one of the balances was, instead of, you know, remove a 9, negative 1 liter and make it an 8-0 or remove a full squad or whatever the balance provision might be, what if somehow intermixed in with the uh, balance levels, they had something called a... Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a redo or a, a marker that allows you to redo your, one of your own rolls or makes your opponent redo one of his. So, like, let's say you get a really key critical hit on my stack with your Stuka or in that yeah. example. Okay, and you got a two or KIA, a big stack. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I have the chit. Yeah, so I'm going to make you redo that. Yep. But I have to give you the chit. So you have to redo that too, but now you've got the chit and now you're in control. So now you roll a 12 on one of your key guns and break it well now you're going to you redo that role yeah but then i get the chit like the possession arrow in basketball yes yeah. like the possession arrow in basketball well in dungeons and dragons they're called action points and everyone gets a certain amount of them like you get two action points and then you can use them to take an additional action or to change a die roll yeah so you'd be Somehow assigned two I, each and i don't think the better players would <laughs> yeah <laughs> go wanna, for that, one. So, that i think it'd be kind of fun but uh yeah well, the chip does go back and forth. Yeah, exactly. And then you. But be, then that's if, unlimited. If you use, had or? it, if you, well, I don't know. We'd have to decide. I'm not sure. But if I had the chit, I'd have to be very careful about when I use it because I'm giving my opponent control of it, and just having it, you know, makes me feel good. But eventually, at the end of the game, obviously, you would use it. You'd have no reason not to. Yes. But then my it might precious. go. And there'd have to be rules yeah. like you could only use it once a turn, or you know, I don't know. I haven't thought it through. Well, if you give everybody just two of them, they can spend them at any time during the game, and then once you've spent your two, you're done. That's another way to do it. Yeah. I was thinking if there's just one, but it goes back and yeah. forth. But you could have two each and use them anytime you want. That's another way to do it. Would this be for tournament play? 
I don't know. No. <laughs> I guess the idea would be. I guess we drink more. Is just to keep a, to keep a game going, and not have it end prematurely because of bad dice rolling. Yeah, bad or good or good luck. A bad series of uh, probability. Yeah, yeah, of course you. If it's, it's a very end game and the guy's going to win, it wouldn't be cool to make him re-roll his winning roll. <laughs> that would good be point. very uncool. <laughs> if, it, if it's good a tight game. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Well, we're done with um, what you've been playing lately. Yes. What's next, Jeff? Well, next we have. Why don't we uh, get get a little sleazy? Because mm, you aren't that pretty. Actually, we're done. Okay. You've heard worse. This is uh, music by request of Rip Spilkey. He's got a sleazy side we didn't know about, apparently. Bon Jovi. Were they French? Is he? Is that his first name? Oh, no, that's his bon. last name. Yeah, Bon. I don't know if he's French. Are they French? Oh, the whole group? I'm pretty Isn't sure. Isn't Bon Jovi a French name? Word for... Yeah, I think it means good good, good Jovi. Bon Jovi. Yeah. That's, yeah. Bon Jovi! Like bon Jovi! I think that's what you say as you're jumping out of an airplane or something. I think it? so. That's <laughs> Girondemo. Isn't that French? <laughs> yes, I think it is. So, Sleaze Part 2. Sleaze Part 2, we did Part 1 last time, and it was fun. It was fun to do. So, um, there's about two pages left of sleazy things that you're allowed to do in ASL but are considered sleazy, but we do them anyway. Partially because we like to say the word sleazy. The prisoner deployment sleaze. This is the tactic of transferring prisoners from unit to unit, enabling the guarding unit to freely deploy. You guys are nodding your heads. Oh, like, oh right. Yeah. Well, like I just got done telling you, Dave likes to deploy everything all the time. So, <laughs> Do you give so he knows this one. If you can grab a prisoner, if you're the Russian. The Russian, I think, is about the only one they can't deploy. The only so. way they can. Yeah, well, then, yeah right? it's especially good with, with nationalities that can't deploy. Or getting into a Sangar. You can deploy. Oh, very nice. So jump, have very everyone good, jump into yeah, Sangar and then get out of there. And then get too we should just carry a Sangar with us. <laughs> it's the portable Sangar. Have, yes. a, have a Sangar. Isn't yeah. that an album by Pink Floyd? I think Bon Jovi. Have a Sangar. <laughs> what this country needs is a good five-cent Sangar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, a good thing on the prisoners, though, again, is uh, not only the free deployment that you said, but... It's very important that you are careful with that, though, because if you are guarding a full squad with, say, a half squad, which is a common thing to do. In fact, even in our scenario today, Dave, you had that happen, or we had that happen. Be careful, because if the unit size of the guard is smaller than the unit size of its prisoner, it cannot shoot outside of the hex. And so I observe this. In, in our game that we had today, and I knew that happened, I, and I tried to self-rally a squad, it, I did not succeed. But if I would have, I was going to go right up to your your guards, guards. of a half-squad, guard, and it can't shoot out of the hex, and I would have been able to hopefully maybe even free the prisoner, possibly, and get another multi-man counter on the board. But anyway, it didn't work out that way. But anyway, be, care- be careful, because if you have a unit size that's greater... It's the prisoner size of unit yeah. size. Now, it says you can guard up to five times. So I guess if you're, the unit size of a half squad is two. It's two. Mm-hmm. So two times five is ten. So you could guard, I guess, theoretically three full squads in a, in a single-man counter. So yeah. that, that would be ten. 
but then that obviously far exceeds your... So you don't want that guy anywhere near the combat. You want to move that guy far away. Yeah. So he has no chance of breaking or no chance of yeah, anyone coming those guys back. You can take him off board, right? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. Uh, next, this is the foregone support weapon sleaze. This is refusing to use a machine gun and risk malfunction in an attack because the machine gun won't move the attack to a higher IFT column. Uh, all the time. Yeah, I do that all the time. For sure. Why not? Standard operating for sleaze yeah. procedure. Never even thought of it as sleazy. No. But the people who advocate for the IIFT uh, right. would jump all over this and say, hey, well, that's why you should use that's the IIFT, why. because then you would actually use your weapons the way you should, which which does have a little bit of validity to it. Yeah. Now, you you don't use the IIFT? I don't, but I'm not, like, adamantly against it. Oh, I guess okay. I'm just lazy. I know the regular IFT, and I have it almost memorized, and so I guess I'm lazy, and I don't want to memorize more columns. But I'm not, a, you know, when people are really, you know, fired up about it, and there are strong feelings about it. Yeah. I'm not, I don't jump into the fray on that, but... How about you, Dave? No, I've never used it, really. I've oh, okay. never used it in the game. I wouldn't mind. I mean, you got a chart. You just yeah. consult the chart. Yeah. Eventually, get, get I used to, to use it all the time, and then have stopped, and I can't remember why. Do you? Do, have we ever used it, or do we always use? I do not it? like to use it. Okay, because of what reason? reason? The same reason as me, or different reason? I like everything to stay the same. <laughs> okay, okay. Fears no, change because I also because I also have it. Sure, in a memorized. It's just convenient. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the seven chart does. I don't know what the five and a half chart does. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't mind trying it though. No. It makes sense to me because I mean, and, and I agree with it. You're, you're firing. Wouldn't you be firing everybody? Squeezing Why would you every ounce out of your yeah. firepower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which you would. Sure. Yeah. You know, slightly off topic. Forgive me for getting slightly. We'll, we'll snap right back like a rubber band. But I'm going to go off topic. One of the things that my, my friend uh, Bob Bendis has recommended to me that I also think has merit is that you know how rate of fire is the color die roll less than or equal to mm-hmm. you know the box number. You know that. And, of course, you also know that the color die roll, when it's less than the white die roll on a two-hit, is a turret hit. Right. So one of Bob's pet peeves is when you're getting lots of rates of fire, you're also getting turret hits. And why is it that you can't get, you know, a whole hit and get multiple rate of fire? Why yeah. is it that it always has to be a turret hit? So that's, that's one of his pet peeves that he thinks is... Uh, hmm. And so what he suggests is you roll three dice. If the color die roll is less than the white die roll, that's fine for a turret or hull hit determination but the third die let's say it's a red die the third die that's rate of fire so it's very possible that you might roll a crummy roll you might roll an 11 or you might get a turret hit or a hull hit or whatever but it's the red die that might determine your rate of fire Hmm. it also makes it possible for you to have a bad shot and get rate of fire or get a good shot and not get rate of fire we tried it one time on just a standard scenario and I like it philosophically, but actually trying to do it was driving me crazy because <laughs> I was just so used to the color die roll is yeah. rate and no, it's not a rate mm-hmm. now, and and I, I guess I wasn't used to it, so I didn't like it. But I do think that he has a point, and that should be considered. Yeah, interesting. So, sorry, we'll snap back now. Snapping back. This is the it's broken but I don't care sleaze rule. This is refusing to attempt repair of a main armament to avoid possible disablement and recall of the AFV. All the time. Yeah. You can always use that AFV for a lot more than just the main armament. Right. Yeah, now this is one of my pet peeves again, too. If I were to redo a squad leader, I would definitely relook at this rule. Yes. I would say that you always have the option not to try. I don't want to take yeah. that away. 
But, you know, breaking down a main armament is so important, you know, to that AFV. Almost always it's very important. And so I want to give the owner of the AFV a little more incentive try to try. That thing, yeah. If it's one in six, usually people don't try. So I, I suggest one of two things. Option one, if I were to be the king of the world and change the rules, I would say make it a one or two to repair a six to break permanently. You know, and medium machine guns repair on a one or two, so that's yeah. not like unheard of. Mm-hmm. I think Piats also re- repair on a one or two, if I recall. 50 cal, one, two, and three. Yeah, summer three. Yeah, yeah for yeah, summer three. Machine guns so that'd be option one to consider. And option two would be perhaps on the first time you roll, it's a one or six for repair. On the second time, it's a one or two repair, but a five or six for permanent break. And then on the third time you try, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, so something's going to happen. And I'm not sure if either of those ideas are better, but they certainly would give you more of an incentive to try. Just my two cents on that. I'm still not going to fix them. <laughs> yeah, I'd say just take away the recall rule. Yeah. Wouldn't they bleed the tank there if it's got machine guns on it in real life? You would think. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, battle. Sure. Yeah. yeah, so that's an option. A little more careful, yeah. but... Yeah. The uh, sit-and-spin sleaze. This is having a fully tracked AFE enter a wire location and change covered arc repeatedly <laughs> until <laughs> the bog check dice roll clears the wire. The merry-go-round. <laughs> I've well, never seen that. I agree with that. I think it's a, you never saw I've seen scenarios yeah. say that you're not allowed to do that in the SSR of the scenario. That they you have? Can, oh. that, that only, you only roll for bog on the, on the wire when you enter its hex. I've seen SSRs. That's in our... Uh, in our um, Tarawa scenario that we're playing, Jeff, I don't know if you noticed, I actually did try to do that once. I did try to spin on purpose unnecessarily. <laughs> it didn't work. Oh, okay. I tried. Yeah, I, did, I do remember that. one of the color die yeah. roll. What I think is worse than that, and I don't see it on your sheet, so I'm bringing it up. What's even worse than that is when you have riders, if you turn your turret, the riders must bail out. Yes. So, and normally, to get off, you'd have to spend, you know, a quarter of your movement factors. Right. I've seen my opponent run with riders using his full movement points... Not even stop and just sweep him like a like a windshield wiper. Yeah, move his turret just to sweep him off to get the bailout. You know, without spending movement points. Right. I think that's sleazy. Is that without list? without stopping? That's right. right. Even that's without right. stopping. Well, first, but you're still bailing. Right? I mean, you still have to pay. There a, is a penalty, isn't it? But a, yeah, yeah, yeah there's a penalty. But I'm sure the rule's not designed to be used that way. Yeah. Right. The intent of the rule wasn't. Oh, let's have a clever way of getting the guys off the tank. So let's no. have it. The rule was probably like, well, gee, what if they turn the thing? Oh, probably it would knock the guys off. We better maybe put that in. And I first saw that with Domovic and Stubitz doing one of my series replays, ASL Extras. First time I ever saw that was in, in that last one. I think we posted. I think that's worse Domovic than the wire one because the wire one you at least might bog. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. one it's almost like getting four or four or six free yeah, movement points by sweeping. Them. I don't like it. Yeah, and we did. That one was mentioned in the last. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, episode. I didn't know that. No, no, it's fine. We didn't discuss it to the extent you did. Uh, the double attack by white phosphorus sleaze. This is getting an additional normal morale check attack against a position by placing white phosphorus smoke grenades during the movement phase, which also strips concealment. Normally followed up with advancing, advancing fire, fire to it, provide the double whammy. It doesn't sound sleazy to me. No. I mean, you're giving up the uh, extra smoke exponent chances by using white phosphorus because it's one less than normal smoke. Yeah, cost movement factor too. And plus, the white phosphorus morale check, you know, is modified by the TEM in reverse. So if it's like a wooden or stone building, it's going to be a minus two or a minus Except three morale check. Trees, right? 
Oh, could that's casualty. You know, yeah, I think also, hit. yeah, right, that's what critical hits, you reverse it. But anyway, so you're going to probably pass the morale check, but you would lose concealment. Right. Because right. you're taking the morale check. Right, so they lose the concealment, and then you can follow up with advancing fire on an unconcealed unit. So it's it's like getting two shots. It's like what I think is worse than that is is a good tactic in a row house, and of course a row house you can't see the through the black bar. You You place a demolition charge against the black bar to breach. It'll attack the unit on the other side with a twelve plus three, which is not that fantastic. But if you even get just a normal morale check result, it. uh, opens up the breach, breach, so now you can see each other. And then you have a flamethrower, <laughs> yeah. and you hit him in the advancing fire phase at 24 flat, but he couldn't shoot back at you. Now that's a tactic. Isn't the flamethrower 12 in the advancing fire? No, you Half? don't have no. it. No. no, you don't have it in the advancing fire. And there's no TEM. No yeah. TEM, 24 flat. Yeah, I think I was trying yeah. to do that when we were playing Red Barricades, our big game in that. So you get a 12 up 3 with yeah, an ammo charge, walls inside those you breach factors. it, and then you get a 24 flat. And he, never, he could never shoot at you, because he couldn't see you. Nice. I dream of this, but I never actually get to do it. <laughs> I dream I a lot. Every time I'm setting up a scenario, I have all these, uh, I have all these fantasies about how well things are going to work out. It it never does. And then I wake up. Uh, the firing into melee sleaze. Firing into melee, hoping to break the other side without particularly caring what happens to your own unit. Yeah. Especially prone to being used by Japanese. And when one side has a morale advantage over the other. Yeah, I don't, and that I don't is, think I like that much. I, I don't but, really like it that much either. Yeah. But. I like the tactic, and I've used yes. it, but it almost never works for me. I don't care if my morale is higher. I don't care. I'm going to break, and he's not. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not no, I'm no Dave Ramirez over here. Depends yeah. on the situation. Just depends yeah. on the situation. I, I don't see anything. Well, I guess there's a philosophical a problem with it. Is this something that would actually happen in combat? No. Probably not. <laughs> so, but you are taking a chance by hurting yourself. Yes. Sometimes you got nothing to lose. You know, you might have a half squad, and he might have two full squads in there, and their morale might, might both be the same. Mm. But you might as well take the shot, because you're going to lose in close combat anyway, most likely. But I, I see the philosophical point, I guess. Uh, but I'm sure that happened. I'm sure Is it did. Is there, like, a moral objection? To- <laughs> Especially <laughs> by yes. the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know in the movie uh, it's just cardboard. What was that movie yeah. that had the big? <laughs> yeah. Oh come on, you guys know it. Uh, the big movie with Mel Gibson when the Scotland versus England. Highland Braveheart. Or, Braveheart. Braveheart. Remember when the king ordered the archers to fire into the yes, you know, friendly and enemy troops. In the melee. Yeah, into the melee. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. see, see, it even goes back yes. in history. No, that's true. So you can't argue with it. The Longshanks move. They should call it. <laughs> uh, the half con. Uh, Half-squad recon sleaze. This is moving a half-squad into a location containing concealed enemy units to strip concealment of at least one of those concealed units. That's a sleaze? I I guess. This can be enhanced by marking several friendly units with opportunity fire and prep fire so as to fire at full strength at the soon-to-be unconcealed units in the advance. Standard operating procedure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that one. Here's what's worse. You're concealed... Your opponent is concealed, and you're adjacent to each other. Let's say you're both in woods. You ad- you assault move into your opponent. He loses concealment, and you don't. And you were the one moving. Wait, if you assault move into his hex? If you assault move into him, he bumps you back. Well, you, you kept your concealment because you assault moved. And he loses and his. And he loses his. I thought, don't you use up all the rest of the remainder of your movement in uh, the hex that you came from? 
Uh, on a bump? I don't think so. Look it up. It's true. If you can assault move, let's say from woods to woods, just to make it simple. Mm-hmm. I'm concealed, you're concealed. I assault move into you. You bump me back. You lose concealment. I don't. That's even worse than hmm. yeah. Hmm. the first one. Yeah. That's a good one. Are you mad at me for like redoing all your sleezes? No, no. I think that's great. <laughs> I didn't do. I didn't write this. Obviously, somebody else smarter than I wrote this. So um, that's it for all of their regular sleezes. So now there, there's this appendix at the end of this document that the, these are sleaze wannabes. They're illegal, but people try to do them anyway. So Move there's twelve the, hexes, uh, huh? Move twelve yeah, hexes. Exactly. Let's see. This is the um, yeah the half track. Gen Gen Tiger violation? You know, I'm not sure why they call them that. It's driving a half track or a weak main armament tracked AFE into a hex with an enemy AFE and then rolling for maximum allowable excessive speed breakdown once in that hex, hoping to fail the ESB and immobilizing in that hex, thereby disallowing the enemy AFE to fire outside the hex. Right, that's illegal. Though. illegal. That is illegal. Right. That's illegal. Yeah. But what you can do is, and again, this is a very important tactic to know as you get into the more advanced games, you know, you like the rule clearly says, you cannot enter and stop an AFV in another AFV's hex unless you could theoretically kill it with a five uh, die roll. In the direction that you're coming from, yeah. Right. So, like, if you move, well, but if you're in the hex, it could be, you could hit them anywhere. So let's mm-hmm. say I move a Sherman into a Tiger's hex, my Sherman has a to kill of a 75 gun is what? What is it, a 14? I think a 75 gun is a 14 to kill. And if you theoretically hit the rear of the Tiger, which has, I think, an 8, uh, you know, then a 5 or less would actually kill it. So you could stop a Sherman in the AFE sex if you wanted to. But what I've seen done is people run a half-track through it, and they might have a, uh, an American with a bazooka in the half-track. And they will say, hey, my bazooka has a two-kill of 15, so I'm going to stop my half-track, and I'm going to unload my bazooka. That is illegal. It has to be the gun's uh, ability to get with a five. But you could move the half-track through his hex. You can't stay there, which means you can't stop and you can't unload. But you could be in motion. You could do a smoke grenade in his hex. Then you could go behind him with the half-track, stop, and unload your bazooka man. And then you might get him in the advancing fire phase in the rear, where he could you know choose to shoot at you. But then you can move your Sherman up from the other side. Presumably, you would do this in combination with. What about a tank with a rider? As you go through, you slap you him, slap him off with him the, the turret. Yeah, with the turret. Away. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah combining <laughs> sleezes together. That's just what I was wondering. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Well, that should be illegal, you would think. Immoral? Well, no, no yeah, you can't. Yes. Uh, you can't. I'd have to think about that. I mean, I hear what you're saying. You, you move the turret and knock them off to bail out. Sure. But I don't think an infantry unit's allowed to enter a tank's hex unless it's the advance phase or unless he's berserk. I well, believe if you had a rider, you could overrun. You can overrun people, infantry with the with the tank with a rider. Hmm. That's entering a, an infantry unit's hex. Interesting. Uh, that's yeah, this this whole episode is interesting. I may have to listen to this one. <laughs> Just I like I like this, this territory. I don't go in in yeah. my normal games. So yeah. I like shoving them off the tank. And I haven't thought about that. But yeah, it'd be an interesting one to try. Yeah, Dave is incensed that you're even calling these things least tactics. These are his regular yeah. everyday. Uh, he's offended. Is moving tanks in the woods in there too? No. What oh, are you okay. talking about? 
With the way Dave likes to move his tanks oh, in the into woods. the woods. Okay. Yeah. Fearless. This is the shot while attempting escape violation. This is the act of abandoning prisoners and then gunning them down <laughs> to unburden oneself of the prisoners without incurring no quarter. Huh. This is illegal. That's illegal. The Boko Haram move. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that done. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And A20.52 says an abandoned prisoner subsequently eliminated by that side that abandoned it causes the no quarter rule to, to immediately take effect. So it, it flips the switch for no quarter. Fire lane Yahtzee. This is also illegal. That's dri- driving a, a, a buttoned up, fully armored AFE up and down a fire lane trying to get the machine gun to malfunction, thus nullifying the fire lane. Well, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, that's illegal. Uh, people right? I think have tried you have that. to be CE, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, fire lane attack. Yes, right. It, it would have to be seized. Well, right. you could run a half squad up and down the fire lane. <laughs> for a while, <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> for a while. Yes. For a little while. Yeah, I mean, a it's a tactic, right? Yes, you Especially could. Especially with all the half squads you have, Dave, in your games. <laughs> I, yeah. I've heard. Flip them out there. <laughs> you could drive your, tank, drive your tank through, have it loaded up with half squads. squads. Drive your tank through, turn the turret. <laughs> they all get unloaded. Wait a minute. I don't, I don't know. Somehow. Like delivering papers. Yeah. And then they throw white phosphorus before yes. the advancing fire. <laughs> you know, there is an element of truth to that, though, because, you know, Jeff and I are playing Tarawa, as you know, and we didn't deliberately run through fire lanes or deliberately. But, you know, the Japanese shoot so much and just, you know, rip through the Marines in that scenario, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of points that we've lost that, you know, they naturally are breaking stuff down just from the natural rolling. I mean, they're, they're ti- their arm, arm gets tired. They're rolling the dice so much. And they're going to get 12s. And they've broken down a number of their guns. Yeah, they have. With 12s and 6 repair rolls. But just from frequency. Yeah. Not because yeah. we're deliberately... Because it's such a big game. It's not but, our tactic. But, yeah. But it's sort of become our tactic. Some of their big guns mm-hmm. have broken that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But only from wearing themselves out killing us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't feel a thing. That's all I care about. <laughs> I feel fine. Talk about immoral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but would a breakdown eleven like a, a, a you know a, a, pardon me a Russian medium or or light, light. that breaks out on an eleven, the odds of you know rolling eleven or higher aren't so bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Also illegal the CX ruse of declaring CX and then deliberately halting movement before expending all the bo- bonus movement factors, thereby avoiding the defensive final fire the defender was holding for use against the attacker. In that final location. Does that make sense? Because oh. as soon as you stop moving, he can just call a shot, right? Hmm. This so is illegal? This is illegal? This is illegal, this? yeah. This is illegal? So you, it sounds dec- like he's saying CX, then he goes only two hexes instead of the six that you expected him to go? Right. But um, that wouldn't be illegal. Before expending all the movement, bonus movement factors, avoiding the defensive final fire the defender was holding for use against that attacker... In the final location. It's illegal so, by Q&A. Let me just read the Q&A. If the defender declines to use defensive first fire versus a unit after it moves into a certain hex and the attacker subsequently announces that he had finished moving that unit, can the defender then change his mind and use defensive first fire? Yes. The answer? And the answer is yes. Yeah, I think you can. I'm reading it's all those I words, but game. it's not sinking in exactly what they're what they're talking about on this one. Well, that's, it, that's it's just simple as Jeff, like when we're playing, right? Yeah. And I move, and then I 
end my move and say, okay, now I'm going to move this guy over here. You go, well, wait, I'm going to shoot at that guy as he moved in there. That's how we play it. Yeah. I don't say, oh, no, but I already stopped moving, so you can't do a first fire shot on him. Yeah, you can. Just go ahead and shoot him because I just moved him in there. Okay. So you got to declare that you're ending your movement. Yeah, it's not like you can move into the hexagon. Okay, I'm done moving. <laughs> now you can't shoot at him. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? right? So, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it's saying... Yeah, okay, uh, so so you you declare CX, and then you move the guy four hexes. And the guy's waiting you for, to move for to fifth. the fifth hex, and you don't. You don't, but you can still shoot You can him. still shoot yeah, You can't just switch to another, another right. squad and okay. say, oh, you can't shoot that guy yeah. anymore because okay. you were waiting. Yeah. Yeah. But it might also be talking about you know the late CX thing. So let's say I use yeah, my you go four. fourth movement factor, yeah. just you a multi-man de- counter, declare CX. to go into the woods, and I'm, say, two hexes away from my opponent's you know unit. And so now I say, okay, I'm going late CX. So he thinks you're coming out of the woods. So he thinks I'm going to come adjacent, and he's going to get a minus two shot on me with his final fighter or something like yeah. that. And I call CX, but then I don't do that i just mcx yeah he, he doesn't fire so he doesn't fire again so is that what they're talking about yeah he's waiting for you to come out of the woods and then you go okay now i'm gonna move someone else and he'll say oh well wait then i'll shoot at the guy in the woods and you say no you can't because i'm already moving someone else it's right you so then what to... good would that do me to declare the cx because now i'm marked with the cx marker he didn't shoot at you in the... it doesn't it's illegal so he can right. still shoot yeah. at you in the woods yeah. okay got it yeah that's a that's a tough one. And then there's the CXTI switcheroo. This is going CX and then searching on the last movement factor to make the unit TI to remove the CX status. Oh. That, that's did, illegal. I didn't know that doesn't people would even the think. CX status, does? Yeah, that's why it's illegal. Yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the search role is also affected by your CX status, sure. so you have to keep the CX status. All right. I always break my guys to remove the CX status. That's how I get around it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good idea. That's my strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I lose games that way. It works yeah, time. I come up to assault the building, time. and I'm all CX. I'm like, well, for me to cross the street at next turn, I don't want to be CX. So I break them all, mm-hmm. and then I realize I can't move them next turn because they're all broken. But you succeeded in removing CX? I did. So I feel a little better. It works with pin Even though too. I lose the game. It takes the pin off, too, if you do it yeah. that way. <laughs> that's why I do it. Yeah, so that's it for the sleaze. How about, All right. how, how about this one? That's how about, good and sleazy. How, how about your CX? And it's the beginning of your prep fire phase. You mark them with opportunity fire. Okay. And if you really want to be sleazy, you move a nine negative one or some kind of a negative leader into his hex in the movement phase. So now it's the advancing fire phase. Not only do you get to fire full firepower without the CX penalty, but you, you can now direct you it with the leader, leader as well. I don't know if that's sleazy, but it's that's, a, that's a good strategy. It's yeah, tricky. That's a good, that's a good tactic. How about sleaze or not? You're rolling poorly, and you switch dice. Hmm. That is not sleazy. Sleaze or not? You roll. You put one of them dice in. It's only numbered one to three. <laughs> <laughs> that's called cheating. I mean, yeah. So that's qualifies as sleaze. <laughs> it's worse than sleaze. It doesn't keep me from doing it. But it is sleazy. <laughs> yeah, so, interesting. And some good tips in there. All right, well, I think it's time uh, now for one of our favorite segments called... What's in the box? Yeah, what's in the... Wow. And in the box today, Jeff, we got a package in the mail. 
a listener sent us this. Critical Hit, Volume 5, Number 2. Whoa. So I didn't. I don't have a lot of these magazines in my collection. That's pretty. It's beautiful. It's got a beautiful cover art by yeah. James Dietz. I have one of his prints at school of Hurtgen Forest. They have a lot of them up at Cantini over there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's a great artist. And is this a new issue? No. What's, what's this the, comes, this well, old? Dave, you said you don't think they're publishing? I haven't critical seen Critical Hit. Hit uh, yeah, I haven't seen any magazines lately in yeah. years. Do you guys have a lot of these at home? I have a couple. I have a handful. I don't... Looking for a year on this don't see one. That's illegal. They have to have a publication date. I've got a lot of the old ones that aren't colorful. They're just black and white. Well, point being, it's volume five, number two. There we go. Anyway, and um, in, inside we have uh, letters. There's a lot of letters congratulating them on their work. It's a lot, a lot like us reading the letters on the air. Yeah. And um, there is Self-serving. a news and notes. Some pictures of people uh, in various places that, uh, around. We like people. And here's a Canadian Open. Oh, 1998 Canadian ah, Open. Okay. Article. It's just been like five years then. Is <laughs> which is like your regular, your regular, um, you know, after action report. He's talking about the different rounds he played. This was written by George Kelne. Oh, right. That name is very familiar, isn't it? Um. To his wife, Picture, maybe, pictures, but not to me. Pictures of guys playing. I've seen his name on some products. This Mike Puccio, Puccio wrote an article, Dads in World War II. Oh, okay. And it's really about his dad. Ah. So as far as ASL kind of material, I mean, you know, it was a kind of interesting read. Yeah. But... I, I but think it's only I'd, about his dad. It's a, yeah. So Maybe that should I, I be like, an apostrophe oh. S, like dads. Hey, dad's in World War II. That might work better. Yeah. Here's a combat by Kurt Martin. Now, what's now, that? Where do we know Kurt Martin's name? I from? know that name. Uh, critical Hit, I think. He wrote for Critical well, Hit. Well, <laughs> that's what I am here. <laughs> oh. This is about their game, yeah. right? Combat. See? It's got different statistics. It's not, what's that other game they invented? Squads oh. and Leaders? Or something, right? Critical hit. They don't they have their own system oh, don't now. They? Oh, they don't do advanced Tobruk system or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, something like no. that. You're right. Squads and leaders, but I haven't heard that in years. In a long time. Yeah. Well, I haven't. Okay. Have you heard of combat? Because look, they got different counters here. It's got. It's a whole I, game I, you know, system. I, it's got interrupts that you can use. I remember and a game called Combat, but I don't remember it being a a, a uh, board game. Yeah. I yeah. don't remember it being a cardboard. Yeah, so apparently they hacks. launched something like this here. And then there's an article on the Was it a big hit? Those red I don't know. Those ragged bloody heroes. <laughs> Do they have a podcast for it? No. <laughs> then apparently it was not uh, it left no lasting impact on the industry. And this one Those Ragged Bloody Heroes, that's one of their campaign or their historical games, I guess. Okay. And so just, if you've got that game, this magazine might be for you. Yeah. Um, Australian Forces. And if you've got that game, write us. It's they, got, have, we've got a magazine for a, you. Do they have a finish <laughs> module, that game, with that game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Ragged. The standard scenarios. Now, I must have these scenarios. You think you I do? I think I have up through 100. Oh, these are the PB slash CH. Is that the Paddington Bear? Mm-hmm. 
Critical Hit. Ah, okay. They reran the Paddington Bear scenario, okay. scenarios a lot, if I remember correctly. DC Party. I played this. I swear I, I played that. Um, so, yeah, I got these somewhere, but I didn't have this magazine. I certainly wouldn't have pirated so if you're, them. If you're addicted to scenarios, this would be good purchase. Yeah, and then you got more on going for Gona. I think that's those ragged, bloody heroes. Was it the, in the Gona campaign? See, look, combat, new from Critical Hit, combat the game, game system. Look at that. Oh, yeah, look there at that. Go. There it is. New in 98, I guess. Yeah. New and probably a collector's item now. And so advertisements for Scotland the Brave. I remember my friend Matt had that. An article on DC Party by Pedro Ramos. I always confuse him with you. Dave Ramirez, Pedro, Pedro Ramos. It's kind of yeah. similar in name. Yes, it is. So I'm like, wait, is that the guy that did the podcast with us? Yeah. Pedro. But it's got a historical look at it with some maps. So that's kind of cool. But it's on that one scenario. An Aussie 98 pack um, bibliography that's from the Paddington Bears again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talks about the scenarios that come with it. And that wraps out the magazine. That's a big, so, big magazine. How many pages? 50. Back has that ad for that Arnhem game they put out, mm-hmm. which is, oh, yeah. what, the third Arnhem game that exists. So I have it. I haven't played it. Oh, okay. We could use it as a prize, Jeff, on our next contest. Sure. Which didn't start today. Um, so, I, I don't know. Overall, I guess there's if, if for ASL people, you know, unless you have the Ragged Bloody Heroes and want a lot of going information, I didn't think... It was outstanding in any way. There's no strategy or tactic articles or anything either, but a historical look at DC Party and uh, a look at the Canadian Open there if you like reading about that kind of stuff, you know. There you go. There That's go. my review of this Critical Hit magazine. Well, thank you, Dave. Great artwork, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a beautiful picture. Keep it just James for that. Deets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Is that going to wrap up I the show? I guess that'll wrap up the show. That's the end of number 135, Something. I think. And uh, so, Dave Ramirez, we thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you very well, much. Fun. Can you Mr. maybe Spilky? you can join us the next show in two weeks? You could join us. That'd be I'll great. Try. Just come back. Yeah, no that'd be problem. great. All right. Okay, Rich. Good to see you. Thank you. Can thank you come you back very, in two very weeks, much indeed. Rich? It's been, it'll be my pleasure. Okay. Yeah, great. Okay. Well, thanks everybody thanks for everybody. listening, and remember to roll low and rally well, but, but, but not, not when you're, you're playing, playing us. Bye. Bye. See ya. Stats get in our time next, machine. Or do you want to do the air?